0: hey what's up guys rich here just wanted to apologize for the extreme tardiness of this episode unfortunately when we wrapped up the live broadcast on wednesday night our internet went down and we were unable to restore our internet until sunday because of that we didn't want to scrap this episode so we are releasing it uh even though some of the stuff is obviously a little dated but nonetheless enjoy episode 339 of my take radio we are back this week Uh, full operational capacity with MMA and wrestling this Wednesday, gaming and entertainment on Thursday. Plus we got episodes of the regular season sports cast and black is the new black heading your way until then enjoy episode 339, and I'll see you guys Wednesday night at 11 p.m. Eastern 8 p.m. Pacific peace. The views expressed on this episode of my take radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the my take radio staff. My take radio advertisers or might take radio content partners listener and viewer discretion is advised this coverage is live and uncensored so if you have any small children present
1: you may want to have them leave the room.
0: What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 339, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live Wednesday, March 2nd, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment on wednesday nights we cover mma and wrestling and thursday we go into gaming and entertainment uh you can listen watch and participate in a live episode of the show by heading to mtrlive.com there you'll be able to watch the live stream participate in the chat and also listen to uh 96k audio stereo provided by mixler all right so a couple of things we got going on um Continuing to evolve the hardware setup here at MTR, uh, working on a couple of things. Uh, picked up some new monitors and a couple of things during the week. And made some small adjustments to Rageworks' MTR live page. Uh, for those of you that don't notice, uh, there is a tab section on the top. Which is going to give you the opportunity to use a couple of different video feeds Um and you'll be able to listen to the show that way. First up, each one is tabbed. You have three video feeds and one Mixler feed. Uh, to avoid any echo, you can just click on the Mixler feed and mute that one, or you can mute one of the other the audio feeds. I mean, one of the other video feeds as well. I know that Mortis was trying to figure that out. I know a lot of people were reaching out to me over the last couple of days, telling me that you know we're trying to watch the show and some people are watching it on Twitch. Other people are watching it on Vaughn Live, YouTube, etc. So I decided to go with a tabbed interface on our live page. That way you can choose whichever player works for you. I know some of you guys have had issues with the stream up player and others have been watching the show via Twitch. So we're trying to accommodate everybody uh, we we definitely want to get YouTube Live set up. I know that that's been something that's been a little bit more cumbersome than I would have liked. Uh, hopefully, we'll have something resolved by, by the end of the month, hopefully. Um, excuse me. I've been trying to work through some of the audio and make sure that at least the audio feed is going out well to YouTube. But it seems that the bulk of the problems we're experiencing are stemming from pixelation, uh, just the incorrect frame rate for the videos. But right now we're running at about 720p. Uh, We are recording the shows now in 1080p. And what's happening is that by recording the shows in 1080p, when we upload them to YouTube in HD, you're going to get a clearer, more concise picture. So hopefully that will continue to improve the video as we continue to make marginal improvements uh, every week. A couple of things before we get into tonight's topics. Uh, First and foremost, we have a brand new giveaway on the horizon, courtesy of Slick, uh, giving away a game. That contest starts tomorrow, so make sure you tune in to the Gaming and Entertainment Edition to get the details for that contest. Uh, Definitely do not want to miss out on that. Also, after the huge success of our contest with Entertainment Earth, Uh, They have reached out to us to do another pop vinyl contest. Uh, We are working with them either to do something with regards to the hateful eight or pride prejudice and zombies. Um, A lot of people are really leaning towards the hateful eight just because it was a solid movie. Everybody loved it. Um, I see that Mortis is is excited. Uh, Thanks for, thanks for that Mortis Uh, behind me. You're going to see a Batman vs. Superman Rock'em Sockam Robot uh, set. We are going to do an unboxing for the channel. And we're going to be giving away two of those plus one Batman action figure from Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. Of course, that's hit, that hits theaters March 25th. And the goal is to launch that contest next week and run it through till the release of the film probably that Thursday And then we'll announce the winner. And like I said, we're giving away two Rock'em Sock'em Robots and one Batman action figure as a second prize. So two first prizes and one second prize to one lucky winner. Well, let me rephrase that to three lucky winners. Um, The Rock'em Sock'em Robots, as I said, one will be opened to unbox for the channel. And, you know, we'll be able to showcase what it does, how it looks, how it works. And I'm sure many of you that want to participate in the contest will be interested in that. I did want to tell you guys that I am coming off the heels of some really bad sinus issues. So if my voice is across between uh, Billy D. Williams and Barack Obama, I apologize. Um, the only thing <clears throat> and I'm gonna, you know, Ben is gonna be joining us tonight too, so he's gonna he's gonna help me. Uh, give my vocal cords a break because <laughs> <laughs> I'm all messed up. But in any case, um, you know, please pardon the slightly raspy voice this week. Uh, Jimbo Slice, thank you for the communique with regards to the YouTube for Rageworks. Did want to tell you, and I'm glad you let me know, um, we cannot simulcast to my uh, the Rageworks YouTube and the my Take Radio YouTube at the same time. I found out that that is a software issue, which unfortunately is out of my control. But the Rageworks YouTube channel will have the main feed until I can find a workaround for the my Take Radio channel. But I'll keep you guys posted if and when that changes. All right, so of course, we got lots on deck tonight. Ben is going to be joining me for some MMA conversation. Of course, we got all the craziness with Conor McGregor. Nate Diaz squaring off this weekend. We're going to get into that, do some fight picks. I want to talk about Michael Bisping's fight against Anderson Silva. I want to get into this past week's Raw and the wrestling news of the week. I also want to talk a little bit about the earnings call that WWE put out uh, with regards to what some of their officers are making, including what was revealed to be the salary for Shane McMahon for his appearances Uh, Throughout the remainder of the month and of course through WrestleMania we're going to get into that and as always we will take your calls 347-324-3541 again 347-324-3541 if you're watching the show via Vaughn Live, Twitch or any of the other outlets head over to mtrlive.com we got a full chat room up and running you guys can participate there. And of course, archived episodes of this show in audio format will be available in iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio within 24 to 48 hours. And of course, video archives will be available on our YouTube channel as well. All right, so let's get into this week's MMA. There's quite a bit to discuss, and I want to bring Ben on as well. It was a pretty exciting week in the world of mixed martial arts, obviously. Uh, We had the return of Anderson Silva to the cage in a very, 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 very controversial loss to Michael Bisping. We're going to get into that. Of course, we're going to talk about UFC 196, the week's MMA news. Um, Vanderlei Silva has a new home. We'll get into that. And as always, we will take your calls. Let me bring Ben in. I see he's on the line. Big Ben, welcome back. What's up, man? I'm good, brother. Congratulations on your nuptials. Welcome to the party.
1: Thanks, man. <laughs> I'm
0: sure. I'm sure. Even though you were "quote unquote" disconnected from the internet during your honeymoon, which is a load of shit, and we both know that, um, <laughs> a lot of crazy, a lot of crazy stuff went down. Um, without yeah. without without getting too detailed, how how do you feel about the current landscape of MMA right now?
1: Um, it's basically all about Conor McGregor. <laughs> um, that's what it is. <laughs> It's kind of it's kind of become uh, revolving around one fighter, which I get. will get into more later, but yep. Um, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world, but no. I, I feel like the way they're going about it is not not the way you want to capitalize on. It.
0: Oh yeah, of course. I mean, we have we have a lot of stuff to to dig into. I, I mean, the the Conor McGregor hoopla hysteria, however you want to call it, it's it's Ronda Rousey all over again. It's it's every other fighter that the UFC hitches their wagon to, Uh, you know. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, um, making making media appearances everywhere. Dozens of little video clips, courtesy of UFC on Fox's Facebook page, which it feels like every day they just come up with new shit to put out just for Conor McGregor. Like things Conor McGregor says, um, you know, him showing up at the guy's house, which was pretty cool. A couple of other things. I mean. You you have to look at it like this: We are we're in an issue we're in a, we're in an instance, I should say, where MMA is. I don't want to say flatlined, but pretty uneventful. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah. And what's happening yeah. is, uh, I
1: mean, th- this big fight's coming, but right now, right, you know,
0: what what's happening is, you know, Bellator with with Dada and Kimbo, which I'm gonna I'm gonna I definitely gotta pick your brain on that. Um, UFC with with the Connor hysteria. There's What's happening is that they're realizing that in, 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 a, in a in a couple of months the interest in the sport not that it hasn't waned, but people can just take a a take it or leave it approach if the fights are on free TV people are going to watch them if it's a compelling card, maybe people will tune in. but I also feel that there's a lot of a lot of poor strategy coming out of the UFC I mean why would you have Anderson Silva fight Bisping? Give it on Fight Pass and not find a way to put that card on free TV. You know these, yeah. these are these are just poor, you know poor planning. Poor planning. It's poor planning by the UFC because they're not they're not leveraging all these other avenues. I mean, yeah, you want people to go to Fight Pass and that's great. But I'll be honest, I did a, a, a trial of Fight Pass and it's okay. I mean, the WWE Network thrashes mm-hmm. Fight Pass any day of the week without even trying. Basically,
1: <laughs> like I I, I got fight pass just for this fight, and I was pretty unimpressed.
0: Exactly. I mean, the offerings are pretty lacking. In, lack the, in the
1: middle of the card, it, the 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 stream crashed. Like, there you and go. it wasn't just me. Like, apparently, this was MMA media members. The streams crashed. Like, everyone stream crashed in the middle of the event.
0: Yeah, and these are the kind of things you don't want to see because it's like if you're the UFC, you're 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 praying you're praying to the MMA gods. Like, yo. Please let everything run smoothly. And, of course, things are going to go wrong. But like anything else, you got to try and find other ways. Hey, you know, the stream crashed. We're going to make it up to you guys. We're going to give it on broadcast television the next day or the day. Whatever the case may be, or give the replay. At this point, it doesn't really matter, you know, that that people are going to see the card on Fight Pass or not. Because I I have a feeling that the amount of numbers tied to Fight Pass are, I don't want to say minuscule, but they're not they nothing. If you don't see the UFC talking about it, it's because that shit's not a big deal,
1: more or less.
0: <laughs> now, now, of course, last you know, while while, while you were on on vacation, uh, we'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. The um the Kimbo Slice Dada five thousand fight. I gotta ask. I mean, <laughs> it was it was by by considered by many to be one of the worst MMA fights of all time. I've seen worse. I will say though that as as a fan of of the sport. I knew what I was getting into. You know? It's like, I knew it was going to be a train wreck. I knew it was going to be a freak show. Did I think that the guy was going to fucking nearly die in there? Absolutely not. Did I think that Kimbo Slice would lose would lose air faster than a, than, than a balloon with a fucking hole in it? No. But the fact is that it just proves to me, and I said this last week, that Bellator can't keep going to the well with this
1: shit. Um, so... I have a few thoughts on that. Um I actually saw that fight live. We had actually gotten back the day of that fight. Um, okay. one, uh it was it was the worst fight I've seen on a major MMA promotion on TV. Like right. I, I've seen like I've gone to some local events and seen two fat guys fight and that that was basically what we got. Um like uh Dada 5000 had no business in the ring cage and neither did Kimbo really. But um as far as Bellator, um they're I don't know how sustainable it is because they're not trying to build talent. Like nope. spe- they specifically moved completely away from developing anyone. They, they, they like the, that was Will Brooks's uh, big issue with them is like, yo, know, like I'm, you know, I'm your champion. Yet you have Michael Chandler fighting Josh Thompson. Like right. they have decided. That they're not—they're not trying to—they're—they're they're going to be the spectacle organization. They're not trying to be a sport, so they're not trying to develop anyone. And if you, even if you're a champion, if you do not move whatever needle, needle Royce Gracie and and uh, Shamrock move, you might not ever be on TV. It's pretty ridiculous.
0: Well, the scary part is too that you're looking at a promotion where right now. Like I said last week, I said 2 million people allegedly tuned in, me being one of them, you as well. And when you look at that, you got to say to yourself, there, there's clearly a market for this type of destruction. You know, it, 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 it's there. The same way we tune into reality TV, the same way we watch terrible videos on the Internet, there's a market for it. But where, where do, does the promotion draw the line when the guy that fought had to be stretchered out and the fact is that he, is still, he is still <laughs> hospitalized. And his family put out a statement, which I'll address in a moment. But still in the hospital. Guy almost died. I, I mean, Bellator, they, 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 to a point I feel like people are laughing at them because they're like, really, you guys put these guys out there? On top of the fact that there's been just a firestorm of stuff. It's like fighters have been coming out kind of clowning the sport haphazardly. I was talking about Pat Barry's statement last week. Where you know these guys, where he felt these guys fought their heart out, and you know you gotta kind of give them, you know, give them some, give them some sort of props. You know, it's it's tough though. It's tough as a fan to to endorse this when the guy who was hospitalized is still in the hospital. You know what I mean? Like if he would have been hospitalized, released within a day or so, and eh, not so bad. Guy still in the hospital.
1: Yeah, yeah. Here, here's here's what Bellator should be doing. Like Bellator should be, if you're gonna do these insane spectacle fights, underneath that fight, right, at or like you should have younger talent.
0: I agree, you your so homegrown if guys. So, if
1: someone's tuning in, yeah, if someone's tuning in to see Kimbo Slice for whatever reason, maybe they see a Will Brooks and be like, man, that's a that's a that's a good fighter. Instead of seeing a shot-worn Melvin Guillard get his brains blasted out by some dude I've never heard of, like, <laughs> like. Like it just, I don't know what Bellator is doing. And then, I, I don't agree with Pat. I mean, I agree with Pat Barry. Like they fought their hearts out, but nobody asked to fight. Nobody, nobody wants their <laughs> hearts out.
0: But it's like, but it's like I said too. It's like somebody.
1: If
0: if the guy had renal failure, it's like somebody had to have noticed something. Everybody's like, oh, but his medicals were clear. Everything. Somebody noticed. It is impossible that the guy almost died out there. And nobody feels that anything was wrong with that, which, again, you know, it leads to some commentary that has been a little a little overzealous, depending on who you ask. I mean, Joe Rogan caught some flack for his for his commentary about, you know, cheeseburgers and orange soda.
1: And, yeah, you know, I didn't didn't understand why he deserved any flack for that. And like the the group of people who apparently I'm part of that group of people who would have flack with that comment. Uh, I mean, dude is fat. He's—I don't think he meant that in a racist way, but you know, whatever. Well,
0: well, the thing that gets me is that you know, I—I I had um Javon Lewis, who who you know all too well. He reached out and he said it. he was like, "Could the commentary have been a little bit better?" Sure, but you know, dude, dude, Joe Rogan called it like he saw it. I mean, that's the problem too. It's like you know, people. He said it, you know. He was—they were racial, but they weren't from a hateful place. More of a stereotype, which, you know, people are people are going to debate that till they're blue in the face. You know, like Val just said in the chat room, he didn't say watermelon, purple stuff, and fried chicken.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that—that's what. Like when I saw, like I, when I heard the comment, I was like, well, he said fried chicken. I mean, everybody likes fried chicken. Like, who doesn't like fried? Exactly. Like, like I just—I just didn't take it as. He was trying to insinuate because he was black. Like, I, I took it as this dude is fat, has no business fighting, which was true. And he was filled with cheeseburgers, orange soda, and fried chicken. I, well, didn't, I didn't take it
0: anyway. But. but shit, he called out Kimbo, too. He was like, yo, it's not like Kimbo... He was like, yo, it's not like Kimbo hasn't done this shit before. He knew the deal. And, of course, everybody's like, but yeah... You know, adrenaline dump. Anybody would get tired. Dude, almost died at the end of the first round.
1: Kimbo didn't even really win. He just stayed standing up longer.
0: Dude, the the the, the best joke <laughs> like, was. I went
1: rolling across the. Campus. Yep,
0: the, that was what I was about to say. The best joke was when Rogan said that it it was like, "Yo, you want to take it to the floor? Yeah, all right, man. Let's do it." You know, like like it was like like they had to mutually agree on it because it just wasn't going anywhere.
1: Yeah, that fight was. It
0: was well. Here's here's the statement from his family. Um, we had hoped to bring Dada's fans and supporters news that he would be released today after completing a full week in the hospital. However, his doctors have required that he stay through the weekend and into early next week for continued monitoring and observation. If his progress continues as it has, he should be released early next week. We appreciate the outpour of support from fans all around the country, wishing Dada a speedy recovery. Your kind words and prayers are heard. We would like to thank the good people at Bellator who are footing the bill for that shit. Uh, The EMTs, doctors and nurses, friends and family, everyone who has worked their best to get Dada better. Thank you. So shortly after that, his manager did an interview with MMA Junkie, and they asked him about his training and whether he was going to fight again. And he said, and I quote, he said that a nutritionist helped Dada drop 40 pounds gradually, but he wasn't used to losing such a significant portion of his weight and quickly ran out of energy as a result. Thoughts?
1: <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it, yeah. Like,
0: it, it, it gets better. They asked him, you know, will Dada ever fight again? He said, it's pretty much safe to say Dada will not be getting back into a ring unless it's to help his friends. So, so clearly, you know, beat down to the club are back in um, when asked about Dada not being used to cutting so much weight, he said there was no history or track record of him cutting weight. I, I
1: don't even I don't even know what to say to that. Why, why do they even have weight classes? Like, what, This is not, it's not a real fight. You could have done it in, I don't know, whatever they call it, super heavyweight or yep. whatever. It ain't a real fight. There was no reason to even have them cut weight. Well,
0: well, that's the thing. He cut down, you know, the the heavyweight cutoff is 265. We know that. Dropped down. Yeah. <clears throat> and... He dropped down forty pounds. So, you're, so what you're telling me, and well, let me rephrase. What you're telling us is that he walked around at three oh five before this. That's what you're telling me.
1: Makes sense.
0: It's like I, it's like I, mean, I said didn't last look
1: week. pounds in that that dog fight documentary. He Drun- didn't look that big, but
0: yeah, well, that but but it's like it's like I said last week. Two drunk uncles fighting at a barbecue.
1: Oh, it was yeah. <laughs> it was a horrible fight. <laughs> it was it was it
0: was bowling shoe ugly. Now. Before I talk about this past uh, this past weekend's UFC card, I did want to say that Rampage, and I have nothing to say to this, and I wanted to throw this out there just for you. Rampage popped up on the MMA Hour and said that he'd be down to fight Kimbo Slice.
1: So he wants to kill Kimbo Slice. Like, Rampage wants to murder a man.
0: He said. That's,
1: that's what I'm hearing.
0: Yeah, he goes, "Well, fight. he goes, well, to be honest, when I did the Ultimate Fighter with Kimbo, he kind of mentioned something that he always wanted to fight me. And even though Kimbo's a heavyweight, I'm a big, light heavyweight, and I'm thinking what I'm thinking is on the Ultimate Fighter, we've seen Kimbo get in shape and do well. I don't think he took Dada serious. I don't think he trained hard. I'm thinking that if I had to fight Kimbo, I think he would most definitely train hard for me, and he'd probably get in shape, especially with that embarrassment out there. There's a lot of people who are kind of embarrassed of that performance from what I've read. I'm a fighter. That's what I do. I fight. It's been a... it's been a couple of opponents that I didn't want to fight that I and that I didn't think would be a good matchup that I fought. I'm interested in finishing my career and entertaining my fans. If fans want to see Kimbo get slammed and knocked out, then dot dot dot. First of all, Rampage has not slammed anybody in fucking God knows how long. I'm sorry to say it. Quite a while. Love Rampage it's to death. Been, but <laughs> it's been almost decades. <laughs> it, 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 it's like, dude, you're 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 living off that Ricardo Arona powerbomb knockout.
1: Yeah, which is terrible. Because even even without even without slamming him, Rampage would beat the shit out of Kimbo Slice, dude. If I, that Rampage would be. It's not even. It's not even. <laughs> like, wouldn't be worth watching. I <laughs>
0: will tell you right now, if that fight were to happen and Rampage were to lose, I'd be like, "Yo, dude,
1: don't even fight him no At that point, yeah. Like if Rampage, if Rampage, if Rampage allowed that fight to last more than a minute and a half he needs to reassess everything because even a fat old rampage should be able to beat the hell out of kimbo's life like it shouldn't even be close rampage is a dude that at one time was the best light heavyweight on the planet and it wasn't close like how (laughs) like he's crazy (laughs) he's
0: like but you know what it is i understand what rampage is doing you know he renegotiated that bellator deal UFC was like go ahead have at it he figures yo this is an easy payday but the problem is that with this payday comes the pro- the possibility and it's slim it's like yo you could lose it's slim I mean it is it is minuscule but you could lose and it's like do you really want to deal with that at that point
1: yeah I mean because yeah, Kimbo
0: hopefully. got a puncher's chance dude I mean I could clown a dude or not but that guy, that guy's fist, dude. He hits most dudes. It's 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 good night. You know, it's two shots. I hit yeah, you, you hit the ground.
1: A <laughs> it's a puncher's chance. It's just it's it's hard to believe. It's really hard to believe Kimbo would lose that fight. I mean, not Kimbo. Rampage would even come closer with that fight. But I get what Rampage is trying to do. Yep. Like you're in Bellator, they're doing crazy, stupid fights. I go, I even go get you some of that stupid fight money. I'm not. I'm not
0: mad at it. I just feel that. You're, you're treading into a situation where, you know, once again, people are going to tune in because you got two names. You know, you got Rampage and Kimbo Slice. And it's like, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a YouTube guy's wet dream right there, you know. But at the end of the <laughs> day, it's a Rampage that's not in his prime and a Kimbo that when he peaked was during the Ultimate Fighter. Like Kimbo Slice on the Ultimate Fighter, I think, was Kimbo at his peak. Now it's just Kimbo coasting for a paycheck.
1: Yeah, that was the last time he seemed
0: to care. Dude, he looked in phenomenal shape. I mean, don't get me wrong, Roy Nelson did smother and cover him, but then again, who doesn't Roy Nelson smother and cover at that point? Yeah. But he looked good. He looked in good shape. You know what I mean? He took it seriously. Hell, Dana White clowned him for like a year and Kimbo's like, yo, I'm gonna get ready and I'm gonna get in there. And he got in there. You know, I can't the problem is that's what I th- that's what I respect about the dude. Like Dana White clown the shit out of him. You remember? You and I used to laugh about that shit all the time. Dana White be like, "Yo, man, this fucking guy," and he's like, "Yo, I'm gonna show you." And he got in the house. You can't. You can't even. You can't even debate the fact that the dude can dial it in. But it's like you dialed it in too late in the game.
1: Yeah. Plus, Kimo was like forty-two, forty-three. Yep. Like I mean, this this is not this is not yeah. He he he's, This is not his time to do anything. So. Yep. I don't know. I, if I'm Bellator, I guess I make the fight because you know money. why
0: not? <laughs> because but. money. But you know what? It's like at yeah. this point, why doesn't Kimbo just fight Herschel Walker? At least give it make it even.
1: Herschel Walker hasn't fought in a long time. How old is Herschel Walker? Dude, I don't
0: even know. I think Herschel <laughs> Walker sleeps <laughs> in a hyperbaric time chamber. <laughs> yeah.
1: Herschel Walker's gotta be in his fifties.
0: Herschel Walker's be. a bad dude though. He he can put a he can put a hurt yeah. on most dudes even now. I mean you know, and that's the thing. I mean, if you want to do stuff like that, and I said this, I think you and I talked about this. If you want to have, like, Boyce Gracie, Ken Shamrock, Dan Severn, and those dudes, then create a master's division. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: That way you have a division of those yeah. guys. Old
1: guy fighting.
0: Right. A, a, a division of master's, or, you know, call it the legends division, whatever you want, and those are special attraction fights. And, and you know, you could do them at catch weight or whatever. You know, something something amicable, that people can agree on and people will watch it and they won't feel as 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 sad as they do when they watch these other fights man because as as somebody who watched ken shamrock beat motherfuckers to death when he lost to kimbo slice i was like yo this did not just happen
1: <laughs> i've seen ken shamrock fight like recently before that kimbo fight right and i that I, I, I didn't surprise me in the slightest (laughs) well well, you know
0: what it was man
1: (laughs) he hasn't been that guy for a long time
0: but but even (laughs) even with the most rudimentary skill set especially on the ground dude and i said this you know i watched this fight here and then i watched it with with jimbo slice that came through and i was like yo he had kimbo in what was pretty much a pretty academic choke and it just it just blew my mind that kimbo slice with no formal, formal, super formal ground training, got out of that choke, man. To this day, that's super questionable.
1: The fight was either fixed or or Ken is just
0: Ken is just done.
1: Like has no upper body strength. He's just all muscle, like just <laughs> muscle with no strength.
0: Dude, dude is a, dude has a, a skin texture of beat up old leather tims for <laughs> real, dude. Like I looked at him when he was on the scale for the weigh-ins to fight hoyce Gracie. Hoyce Gracie came out straight looking like like Hordak, and Ken Shamrock comes out looking like shoe leather. I'm like, yo, dude, I understand that you want a tan and shit to look the part, dude, but come on. Come on, dude. You're, it, it, it's like if if I put Wilson on your stomach, I could make you a – you could pass for a football. <laughs> Fucking terrible, dude. I'm oh, like, yo, come on.
1: Up there. Poor bastard. I'm so old on that scale. <laughs> Like, why are y'all
0: doing this? <laughs> There's no need, but you know what it is? It's like Bellator's like, oh, Yo, you know, you could avenge the loss. But I, like, I can imagine them calling him up, hey, Ken, you know, you want to fight Hoyce Gracie? And, you know, Ken Shamrock, he's zero to 100 immediately. He's like, I'll fucking kill that guy, you know, as soon as he answers the phone. And they're like, uh, okay, signed. Yeah, it's
1: just... <laughs>
0: I just see Ken just yelling into the that, phone.
1: That was his own Just yelling into the phone like a crazy oh, person. Oh, yeah. Ken Shamrock is a crazy person. He's always been like that. Like, the, the, him flipping out after that fight, even even though I guess it it could have been a low blow, but then they let it go. Like, it's <laughs> not that big a
0: Slick says, if Rampage fights Kimbo, he better do it tomorrow. You cannot give him time because if he finds all seven Dragon Balls, it's over. <laughs> Oh uh,
1: yeah, that would be what he would need to win. That's it. it. Fucking
0: Kimbo needs to channel the power of Mister Popo,
1: <laughs> to win that fight
0: <laughs> for real. Anyway, yeah.
1: otherwise he's
0: <laughs> getting um, UFC fight night eighty four. Man, for for a non televised card was pretty uneventful till we got up to the to, to the co main and the main event. Um, that, I don't understand how how Talis latest. I I guess because I haven't seen him fighting so long gave Gagar Musasi not a problem, but forced Musasi to go to distance.
1: I don't know if it was so much latest forced him to go to distance as Musasi just didn't at any point attempt to finish him. Like Dan Hardy kept saying it in the fight, like Musasi was just content to do a jab. Yep. Uh do a right, do a jab, Because he there was nothing Talas Ladies was gonna do to him. So, um Gegard <laughs> dominated the fight. Now, all the stuff he was doing afterwards, I don't, I didn't understand. The, 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 the flipping out about Cheetah being on steroids and greed. I don't know where all that came from. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a, that's an average Gegard. If you don't make Gegard Musasi do anything and he can find a, a, a comfortable groove against you fighting, he's not going to ever leave that groove. He's just not that type of fighter.
0: He always looks like he's just sleepwalking, like he's filing his taxes while he's fighting you. And it bothers me because I'm like, dude, I understand, you know, you train with Fedor and, you know, that was the Fedor gimmick, quote unquote, if you want to call it that. But it's like, it's like, dude, you, you have an almost 40, you're like 37 and six. I think he's 37 and six and two. It's like, dude, this isn't your first dance. And the fact that you're ranked number nine, when you were considered at one point, one of the most elite. One hundred and eighty-five pound fighters, is crazy to me. Yeah, I mean,
1: he he still he's still one of the best ones there. Like I think he beats, oh, I won't say everybody. He beats most people outside the top four. Um, but he just, I don't know. He he just never gets out of first gear. He doesn't get out of first gear, or he just doesn't feel.
0: I, I guess I guess the the cliched term is he doesn't feel a sense of urgency when he's in there. Like yeah, he just, like it
1: just seems like it, unless you make him, he's not gonna try to
0: finish it. Nope, definitely not. And then, you know, switching gears to the to the main event, it's like, Michael Bisping, you know, I love the dude, uh, I mean, the guy's a warrior, he's been fighting since the fucking first Ultimate Fighter, can't take anything away from the guy, but it's like, dude, they gift-wrapped that fight for you, and he knows it, and, and you know what, I, I respected him more that he called it like it was. He was like, yo man, you know, it is what it is, I kind of got Dude, when he got when he got front kicked in the face, I was like, "Oh!" I'm like, "That's a wrap for you."
1: He got completely completely knocked out, and yep. for some reason, the fight didn't end. <laughs> that was a knockout. Yep. I don't, I I have no idea why at that point the fight wasn't called off. Like, I there was no reason for the fight not to be called off then. Now that being said, Anson Silva still should have probably finished him, right? Um. And I, I feel like Anderson Silva would have won the fight if he was more aggressive. It, it just seemed like Anderson Silva at no point was really like, like he would go on spurts of aggression. And other times he was doing weird Anderson Silva stuff. Like that That was it. Like he was going to stand there and not get hit. Because like, like a good chunk of the time, Michael Bestring was throwing all those punches against the Cage, he wasn't actually hitting right like at all. Um, and he was just throwing a lot of punches. And then Anderson Silva would decide, for, like, a 15-second spurt of aggression and then go back to just being weird. Like, I, I feel like if he had been more aggressive, he would have won the fight.
0: Well, the thing, too, what they were saying was that Anderson actually thought he hurt his surgically repaired leg. So he was like, yo, like, he actually, he." I believe that what they were saying was he thought that he may have, you know, um, displaced some of the screws in his leg, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, they, they were saying that he yeah. was hurt after the fight, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure there was some apprehension in there. I'm sure he was probably like, oh, shit, you know, my legs broke again. I'm done. Yeah. Like, I think psychologically his brain just took a nap. And then, like anything else, once that adrenaline kicked in, he was like, all right, fuck it. You know, uh, I, get, I, I guess I'm hobbling home. Like, it was it was such a crazy fight and such an insane outcome. But the thing that gets me is that the judges were like, yeah, Bisping won. I'm, and it's like the dude was asleep at the end of round three. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah, I was just I understood giving Bisping the first round because Bisping knocked him down. Yep. Although some of that, uh, I think was Anderson Silva was like completely his feet were completely the wrong place to get hit. Right. Um he was like just all off balance doing weird Anderson Silva stuff. Um and then every other round I kinda I personally gave Silva But, I mean, I I value aggression more than. I value hitting people more than just throwing punches. Like, I've just. That's how I score. That's how I score boxing matches. That's how I score MMA fights. Like, I just. You can throw a million punches, but if he lands three good ones, I'm probably going to score the three good ones better than you just throwing punches and not hitting anything. But, I mean, I I don't agree with this winning. I mean, especially because he got knocked out in the third round. Um, But. I don't know and also I found it really weird that they kept like hinting towards the one of the fight gets a title shot why why would you give either one of them a title shot i I Even agree fans who have won, why would you give him a title shot? I don't think like, there's no reason to do that
0: well that that's kind of one of those things that you know I think for bisping you and again the people are gonna disagree with this. I'm sure that people are gonna hit me on youtube bisping is a is a he's a company man. Let's be honest. You know, what I mean, he's a company dude. Yeah, they put him out there front and center. They put him out. You know, he's he does analyst work. He, he promotes the UFC in the UK. One hundred percent bona fide company guy. But we we yeah. both we both can say that Bisping's title aspirations are well past. So this was one yeah. of those instances <laughs> where they were like, "Listen, you beat the man. We'll work something out." Because, you know, that's how the UFC does it. Because they figure, you, you you do something compelling, you do something convincing, you beat Anderson Silva, maybe you force that motherfucker to retire, and um, we'll take care of you on the back end.
1: You know, I wouldn't be shocked. The, the, the thing with that is, though, like, Rockhold, who champion, beat the shit out of this pick. Yeah, I know. That was not a close fight. Like, he beat the hell out of it. And, like, a healthy Chris Wyman, what, what is that thing going to do to Chris Wyman? Like, <laughs> Like, this thing, maybe, maybe he can be vetoed. I I think he <laughs> can be vetoed, but, like, un unwarded up people. But, right. like, like he's not fighting in title fights. And if and if he, the man who literally cannot see out of his left eye, if right. he even has a shot at winning the title, he's a bit delusional. He's more than a bit delusional. He's extremely delusional. Well, the thing, the
0: thing that gets me is, like, him fighting Weidman, if it's the Weidman that showed up and fucking took 17 Vicodin, To fight to fight Luke Rockhold and slept through that fight, then yeah, because I don't know what the hell happened for that fight, honestly. Like I've seen Weidman fight
1: to do that.
0: You know, I've seen Weidman fight (laughs) countless times. The dude dials it in. You know, was Rockhold the better man? Absolutely. You know, there's I'm not taking anything away from Luke Rockhold, but I just felt that Weidman wasn't the Weidman we usually see either. No, I
1: don't. I don't think he was. But like, if he was injured, like they say. That's very stupid on his part and his coach's part, yep. which I think we'll get into a little bit more later mm-hmm. also with people not understanding why you shouldn't fight when you're injured. Um, because you end up like Chris Wyman, getting your brainstem pushed in. Like, <laughs> like. Right before like, Christmas, which is injured, the best part. Yeah. If, yeah. If you're injured, don't fight nope. someone who will just beat the hell out of you. Yep. Which is what happened in that fight. Luke Rocko wasn't a dude that you could just show up injured.
0: No, no, no and that's the kind of thing and you know looking at that fight and even even now i mean bisping like i said you want to reward him for being a company guy give him a give him a desk job you know like like they were, like they were saying in the chat you know val said it bisping needs to retire to the desk i mean the dude's fought in the organization since the first ultimate fighter you know he's got nothing to prove at this point sure should he have won the belt at some point he had opportunities of course but the sport evolved he not to say that he didn't but the dynamic of the sport changed tremendously to the point where a guy like Bisping, who is, you know, a a, a solid brawler, is going to get picked apart by guys who are savvy with their hands. I mean, even Anderson Silva now, you know, was still slipping and moving and bobbing and weaving, and, and, and he looked solid out there, you know? Yeah,
1: like prime Anderson Silva destroys Michael Bisping. Like, that, would, that wouldn't have been a... F- Prime Anderson Silva would beat the hell out of this yep. version of Michael Bisping.
0: Absolutely. With his eyes so, closed.
1: He, yeah, this this ain't... <laughs> Michael Bisping is should not be fighting for any titles.
0: No, 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 no. But, but like I said, I think that the company was just trying... Probably trying to, you know, dangle that carrot. Because, uh, you know, if they said, oh, Bisping's going to fight for the belt. Like, if he would have beat him convincingly, and they were like, oh, you know... He's gonna fight the winner of the Rockhold Weidman rematch, whatever. You know Bisping would have tried that. He would have sold the fight. He would have made it look good. Maybe he would have go, he would have gone out on his shield, and that would have been it. But at least they would have said Bisping got a title opportunity. You know, like that. That like sometimes I look at it when it comes to some of these guys. Like, why did this guy get a title opportunity? Let's be realistic. Why did Conor McGregor fight a number five ranked guy to get a title shot to get a belt? You know, but but, but the,
1: they wanted to put a belt on Conor McGregor.
0: Exactly, but but you see, but you see what I'm saying. Like like when you look when you break it down to brass tacks, when you get into into MMA quote unquote MMA math, you're gonna be like, well, yeah, you know, he should have fought the number three guy or the number two guy, and then he could have fought the number one guy if he won that. You know, but we know how that goes. That's why I'm saying that sometimes. We talk about all these rankings and shit and sometimes they just throw them out the fucking window.
1: Oh, yeah, the rankings don't matter.
0: Yep. They don't mean they don't <laughs> they mean they only shit.
1: matter when the UFC decides they matter.
0: Right. Because look at right now. Misha Tate is fighting Holly Holm this weekend. That fight could go either way. I'm being completely honest. Fight could go either way. And yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. who's gonna fight any one of those ladies that anyone's gonna give a shit about that's not that doesn't have two R's in her name?
1: You know, like yeah. Like, 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 like like, like let's be Ronda realistic. Against, like,
0: you know, but, but think about yeah. it. Think think about it from, from, from a promoter standpoint. It's like, all right, Misha Tay finally has a chance to win a belt. Hooray for Misha. You know, everybody's like, all right, yay. But, but let's be realistic. It's like, if she beats Holly Holm, your Ronda Rousey rematch for revenge gets shot on the spot. And then it's like, oh, if you want to put the belt back on Ronda nice and quick, Oh, she, I bet you she'll go into training camp to fight Misha Tate with her, with with, with with her eyes closed. She'll be like, yeah, "I'm I'm getting ready for camp
1: asap." She's going back into that camp as soon as possible. There you go to fight Misha Tate again. There you go because again, uh, you know, I,
0: uh, statistically, you know, from a from a record standpoint, they're gonna be like, "Well, the next person should be I don't know, Kat Zingano, who's been waiting for like ten years to get to get a title shot, but." Again, no, no one gives a shit, and that's a problem.
1: Nope. So you know, can only matter when they choose
0: them th- There you go. Now, obviously, I I did wanna go through some of the other MMA news. Uh, you know, we were talking about what Bellator isn't doing with their fighters. Um, I gotta say, man, fucking Benson Henderson came in and he's getting a welterweight title shot for Bellator 153 on April 22nd. Uh, and Patricio Pitbull is taking on John Teixeira on that card as well. But um Benson Henderson came in dude with a title shot pretty much gift wrapped. I mean, some people are are saying that, you know, Benson Henderson has the pedigree that deserves to come in and get a belt or you know, a title shot out of the gate. I don't know, man. I'm a little I'm a little hard pressed to to lean in that direction, but I also know that he's probably one of the most credible athletes that they got him, Josh Thompson, that you could build around that aren't dinosaurs, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, I have no problem with him coming in and getting the title shot. I mean, he it's not he, he's one of the few that actually deserve what they're getting, to be honest. because uh, he I mean he's he's won his what, like last four or five fights?
0: I believe and so. And yeah.
1: he's probably the best fighter by far in the organization. I, I think the UFC kinda I don't know what the word is, but he kinda wore out his welcome with the UFC, which I, I still don't understand. Um well, why he seemed to in favor with the company.
0: I well, you know what it was, and, and this, and he kind of alluded to this in inter, in a couple of interviews. The minute you say the word union, you're automatically you're automatically getting a, a black bag over your head and getting thrown in a shallow grave. You you utter the words fighters union around Dana White, he he will probably have you shot outside outside of your hotel room just because that that's that's how it goes you know when you use the words union when you use when you speak against the company when you say oh other fighters agree with with me and other fighters feel this and this and this then the the response from the organization is well then you could go wherever the fuck the other fighters are then like that's that's the that's the that's the long and short of it my my issue with the ufc is the fact that okay you don't want the fighters to unionize okay but you're also making the fighters that have been there forever, that have been mainstays, compete for peanuts because of this Reebok deal. And I hate to say it, if you're, if you're within the top yeah. 10, you should have specific or specialized deals for those fighters just as an incentive for them to continue to represent your organization. Hell, I follow Nick Diaz on Snapchat which is, you know, insane because it's just hilarious with him mean mugging in the club. That's the bulk of his updates. But one of, the, one of the snaps that he put, which was very interesting, was Nate Diaz coming in for that first media day with Connor, the first one when they did the announcement. And mm-hmm. Nate had to actually change into Reebok sneakers when he got there. And he was <laughs> kind of holding the camera kind of on the sneak and you see Nate like, man, I got throw these on like, like you could see that they were like, yo, what are you doing? Can't wear those like, like, and that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. You know, you come in, you wear your uniform, and that's fine. But guys like the Diaz brothers, um, Benson Henderson, you know, guys that are constantly in that top in that top ten, you got to give them a little bit more incentive, man. Using that paint by numbers Reebok deal with those guys, all you're doing is pissing them off.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we've talked about yep. how. Poorly executed as Reebok deal is exactly. Uh, a number of times it it's it's stupid. I just I, I don't know. I have I have issues with the design of the outfits, the amount of people getting paid. Like I just the whole deal to me is stupid. And we re- reassess thoroughly on top of the <laughs> fact
0: that the gear that they sell for your quote unquote favorite fighters is complete dog shit. It, yeah, it, that's
1: that's another thing. Like you want to support your favorite fighter.
0: You want to support your favorite fighter, and it's like, oh, here's a jersey that's 150 dollars, really, for a
1: screen for a screen don yeah, like name. I'm not name. buying a John Jones jersey. Thank like you. Like I'm not, I'm not buying a John Jones jersey. I'm. This is not basketball. It I, mean, with I a... don't wear jerseys anyway. There you go.
0: <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like, like, oh. there's no, there's no character to the gear. Like when when Conor McGregor showed up at that guy's house, and he the the guy had like Conor McGregor Reeboks. Even Conor McGregor was like, yo, I don't fucking have these.
1: How the fuck do you have them? What does that <laughs> tell you? Like, they don't, nobody, nobody wants them. There you go. Conor <laughs> might have a pair and you did not even know because you don't even want them.
0: Because they're not made of anaconda. They're not made of fine Corinthian leather. <laughs> but
1: uh, while, while. Man,
0: yeah, while, while we're on the subject of that, you know, I got to, I got to say a couple of things with regards to. You know, Nate Diaz stepping up and taking this fight. You know, Nate Diaz kept it real in an interview he did. I believe it was yesterday or the day before. And he said, he's like, "Yo, oh, man, you know, I'm here to fight fight this dude, do what I got to do, but I'm also here to get paid. And and it's like, you know, love love Conor McGregor, or hate him. The dude says it. Yo, you fight me, you're getting paid. Your bankroll is getting filled. You have to move. Yeah, thank you. Your bankroll is getting stacked. Without you, before you even step on that scale, which is crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, because uh, I, I, I'm pretty. sure – I think Chad, Chad Bennett made half a mil. Yep, flat. Like win, lose, draw. It doesn't matter. You yep. made half a mil. Yep,
0: you made half a mil, and you took that fight. It's like you, t- you made half a mil coming off your couch. That's all I'm saying. And and the yep. funny, the funny thing is, and this is this is where I wanted to to to, to take the conversation. If 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 you're mm-hmm conor mcgregor and you beat nate diaz do you do you feel that you you should just fight for the 170 pound title at that point not if you're smart (laughs) well obviously obviously we know that the title is held by you know a guy who's pretty much an assassin but um
1: (laughs) but it's not it's not even just that it's it's not even just who particularly holds it because i i Any of the top five or ten welterweights holding it, I think, would be a problem for Connor. Like, here's my, here's my, 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 my thing. Without getting uh, too off subject, Connor um, is a 155er. Like, he naturally is a 155er. Right. Um, Because even when he made 145, he looked emaciated on the scale. He did. Um, It it always amazed me how healthy he looked the next day. Yep. uh, Because of how emaciated he would look on the scale. Um. So I mean, good weight, uh, good good weight cutting. Um, but um, shouldn't for for him to be as big of a star as the UFC is making him, he is really really beatable. Um, and, and I don't say that to disparage him being the best 145. Runner. I mean it in you can see how to beat him. Like, right. For instance, when they were doing when they when with Ronda Rousey when she was like the the big uh thing right before Holly Holm. You couldn't really see how any of these women could be. Like you, right. You just see the fighting, like, well, she's probably going to onboard her. Well, I'm picking up uh, Rafael Dos Anjos to, simply because I've seen Conor McGregor on the ground. It don't look good. And he's going into another weight class with a bunch of dudes. Like, if he fights Khabib in a get-off, what is he going to do Yeah. if he can't knock him out? Yeah, he's, 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 he's getting, getting
0: dropped on his, on his dome.
1: Yeah, he's getting thrown all across the cage. So. Like you can see the the in you can see where this bubble could could pop right right and if I was him even though I think even if he even when when he eventually loses um, I don't think his selling power will drop that much nope but if I was him I would not fight I would not go out of my way to seek that loss because I feel like going to one seventy is going out of your way for no reason no no real reason to seek a loss because like even. If you get to fight Robbie Lawler, like that's not a fight that you want to just do. Like, yep. a, like you don't, like you why don't. Why make things harder on yourself? Well,
0: <laughs> you know what it is? It's like just just because you can stick your head in the lion's mouth and it doesn't close, doesn't mean that it won't close eventually. You know, I mean, you know, he, yeah. he 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 wanted to fight Cowboy. You know, he's like, yo, I'll fight you, I'll fight you, I'll fight this guy, I'll fight this other guy. You know, and this is the thing that gets me. Cowboy was like, yo, I'll fight him, but you got to be realistic. What's going to make people spend money? I like Cowboy. Awesome fighter. Tough dude. Hard as nails. But nobody was going to jump out of their seat to see that fight because it would just be Connor talking shit and Cowboy saying, yo, I'll just fuck you up when the bell rings. Now, you take a guy like Nate Diaz or Nick Diaz for that matter. You, Dude, the minute that you sign on that dotted line, you're, you better get ready for middle fingers, being told to go fuck yourself you know, all all the usual Diaz brother uh helpings of 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 bullshit are are are, are coming with Random
1: that. Random unwarranted steroid accusations.
0: Yep. Like it's one it's one of those things it's one of those things where when you look at the when you look at it, you're saying to yourself Am I am I fighting Nate? Am I fighting Nick? Am I fighting all of them at the same time? Because that's that's what happens i mean th- think about it that one press event escalated to the point where people are like yo i gotta see this fight strictly on the fact uh, of the shit talking that just happened
1: yeah i mean the, i i had no real issue with Nate being the one they picked although i personally would have liked to have seen anthony pettis uh i, I doubted that they were going to give it to him i mean he's coming off two losses even though his last fight i don't think he lost but uh, coming off two losses, um, I would have liked to see cowboy, but I didn't mind, Nate. Um, I thought it was weird that it was at 170, but and you were making cowboy cut down, apparently, if he was going to take the fight. Well, no, according but... to what
0: happened, I- I'm glad you brought that up. According to um, Dana White, actually spoke to MMA Junkie about it, and when asked about the weight, he said that the fight was supposed to be at 155. Nate said he wanted a fight at 165, and Dana White was like, look, Connor's moving up from 145 to 155. You told me you could make one fifty five. You've got to make one fifty five. So he can't make one fifty five. And when he said let's do one Dana White, I think said let's do one sixty. So when he tells Connor, Connor's like, yo man, I'm not doing one sixty. You tell him I'm gonna fight at I'll fight him at one seventy. So that's that's again, according to Dana, Dana's storytelling here, that's that's what ended up happening.
1: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the conversation was similar to that. Uh I, 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 if I, like I said, if I'm Connor I'm, I'm not fighting him. Once. I don't even want, I don't know. Like, it, it's just the way I'm thinking. Like, because I feel like if Connor thinks this is like, uh, what was he at before? Cage Warriors? And he can just hold the 155, 145, or 170 title. Like, this this is not how this works. Well, like, well <laughs> like on top of the fact. You're not, that, yeah. No,
0: what I was going to say is on top of the fact, you fight a dude like Johnny Hendricks at 170. You're getting killed. Johnny Hendricks hits Conor McGregor. He is he is caving in his entire head.
1: Yeah, like and like I saw some people like, oh well, you saw with Stephen Thompson. Stephen Thompson is six foot two. Yep. Like like, like these aren't small people. Nope. Like like Conor is probably gonna weigh in at one seventy and come in the cage at like one seventy five. Probably. Bobby Lawler weighs in at one seventy. Comes in at probably two hundred.
0: Yeah. He and hydrates I- well.
1: Maybe not that high. Maybe maybe one ninety five or something like that. He's not. These this ain't what you want. Like you take the road of less opposition. Like if you want to hold two titles, I would do it at one fifty five. Even though I think he can lose at one fifty five, that would not be what I would do. I mean, in his case,
0: and and this is how I see it. The guy the guy walks in. He goes, "Yo, I want to I want to win three belts in three division." Okay, good times. Congratulations. Welcome to the party. Now, looking at each division, you have at least five guys that are elite top tier dudes. And unless you feel systematically that you can destroy each of them as efficiently as you've dispatched everyone else, then maybe we could talk. But like I said, Johnny Hendrick, um, hell, Robbie Lawler. Yeah, T. Wood. You know, you go, Wonderboy. You go through that division of guys and you see that there are so many dangerous people in that weight class that even if you were by some miracle to to, to, to take that belt at 170, it's not about taking it. It's about keeping it at that point. Rory McDonald, thank you, Val. Another, another killer, another psycho.
1: Hector Lombert. Hector Lombert? Like, these, and, and, and it's not just they're more skilled than him, because some of them aren't more skilled
0: But they're, him, they're physically massive. bigger guys.
1: Yeah, they're, like, huge dudes. Like, yep. I, and, and, and I mean, I, I know we're going to talk about it a little bit, but, like, the idea that Conor is more dictating his his title shots than the champions. Like, I've heard some people, uh, well, now uh, RBA needs to fight on Connor's side. Y'all both hold belts. Like, <laughs> Right. Like, but uh, but the RDA thing. RDA earned his No, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean RDA earned the right to break his foot because his foot apparently is broken. Like this isn't some made up thing. You know, you didn't even have Dana White, you know, go on TV and say, Hey, my champion's a liar again because that's how you handle these situations. Right. Um that fight should still happen. Like I don't see why that fight shouldn't happen. Well
0: the the reason the reason that people are using the quote unquote Connors terms and are throwing out those words is because now everybody realizes that these are the chances where they can make a shitload of money. And Rafael Dos Anjos is the champion, and that's great. But is he is he drawing the same type of numbers? And that's where it becomes a question. Oh, no, he's
1: not drawing the same type right. of numbers.
0: And that's what I mean when people are saying that he's dictating the pace because in Rafael Dos Anjos' case, he's like, yo, I'll fight Connor. I'll put my belt on the line because he knew he was getting paid. Now if he wants to get a similar type of payday, the UFC is going to be like, listen, we got, you know, you could fight the number one guy in your division and you'll get paid, but the pay-per-view buy rate is not going to be the same versus you fighting this guy. And that's, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier where you're looking at the mathematics more so than, uh, you know, the statistics more so than, than the rankings. It's like, yeah, Rafael Dos Santos should fight the the, 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 his number one contender before even thinking of quote-unquote super fights same thing applies to mcgregor but again when you're when you're taking pay-per-view buy rates and you're bringing them into that that hemisphere of ufc 100 which i believe was the gold standard at the time and you're doing this every time you fight you kind of have a lot more leverage on your side you know what i mean which is which is shitty to say but connor connor's wielding that sword every time he's like yo Entire country can can watch me fight.
1: Yeah, my, I mean, my 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 only real issue with this is like it's essentially putting two whole weight classes yep. on home. I agree. Um, like, because what is one forty five supposed to do until connor decides if he ever decides to fight at that weight class again? Like, because Jose Aldo, yeah, he got knocked out, still was champion for ten years. I don't think he's a shot fighter by any means. You got Frankie Edgar. I mean, there's still dudes down there. Max Holloway has been on his way. There's still dudes that deserve their day in court. Like even if Conor's gonna beat them, they deserve their day. To they deserve their day in court. They deserve their time to be judged in front of us all by Conor. And instead, like they don't get that chance. And then then you're also putting 155 on hold because now you're saying, well, you know, maybe maybe he goes for the 170 belt. then. like you you can't put all your divisions on hold for one dude. Like well, it just doesn't work that way, and it's their fault. For, and one of the things I was trying to say, uh, I, I meant earlier when I was saying, like, I don't think it's a bad thing they're pushing Connor so hard, it's, but they don't go about it the right way. They have done it with so centralized on one fighter, yep, um, that it 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 belittles. I don't know if intentionally, but maybe belittles is not the right word, but it, it diminishes the the value of every other fighter. It's just Connor. And a nameless opponent, yeah like no, i and I, when I agree loses, yeah, whenever he loses, it's just like what is what are you gonna do uh sorry, I just read Val was said that Torada was ducking people, and that's not a thing, but okay, uh yeah, sorry, I just saw the chat, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, but yeah, like you put you put a whole, you put three whole divisions on hold, and you need to be building uh challengers. And other people up because eventually Khan's going
0: to lose. Well, the problem is that, and, and this is going, this is going into 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 territorial. Appreciate the problem is that you're not creating narratives between champions and opponents that people are going to be engaged in. I'll give you an example: um, John Jones putting up a picture of Daniel Cormier as Carl Winslow. Hilarious! Oh, they back and forth. Have been great. Exactly, but 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 you but but you notice what's happening? It is a story of the champion and the challenger. And that label, and, and you know, it's it, it's it's weird because that label champion and challenger can be swapped between both guys without batting an eyelash. And I say this because John Jones never lost. You know, he lost because of of yep. coke, but he quote unquote never lost his title. Daniel Cormier fought fought for and defended his title, and because of that he deserves the the moniker of champion as well. Like the thing between those guys is that there's such a compelling story that dude, any way you slice it, the interest is going to be there because if you love DC, you're going to want to see DC finally v- be vindicated by defeating his nemesis. If you're a John Jones fan, you're going to be excited to see this guy finally get his shit together, make a run for the title and make history and become champion once again. Or if you're if you're in the camp of you know, fuck both those guys, then you're just hoping that something comes out of it where somebody else gets an opportunity, which, you know, could happen. But at the end of the day, there's a compelling narrative that's between a champion and an opponent. Like you said a few minutes ago, the narrative that's being put out by the UFC is Connor versus anyone else. And that anyone else can be, you know, Robbie Lawler, Jose Aldo, Frankie Edgar. Like, the the the... The players are so interchangeable that none of them have a chance to get comfortable for the people to get invested.
1: Yeah, and, and to the UFC's, um, initial credit, that is actually what they did initially with the Jose Aldo, right? Conor McGregor build. Yep, uh, before, and it was good. Jose Aldo broke a rib. Yeah, like the the way it was built, like that that cool commercial they did where like Jose Aldo and Conor McGregor were meeting in the middle of, uh, of Las Vegas and they were playing. um, no church in a while. Like, that was a great commercial. And then someone, like, after that, after Jose Alda got hurt, yep. they just decided we're not trying to do that again for no real reason. Because, like, there's this, there's this also this mindset that there's no way Conor pulls out of a fight. Like, if he gets hurt, he's going to pull out of a fight. Right. It would be the smart thing to do. Like, they, they've, they've built it to where, like, if someone, now if someone pulls out of a fight against Conor, no matter what, no matter what your reason, to you have a legitimately broken rib, a legitimately broken foot. You could have cracked your skull. People are going to say you're Ducking and Connor, and that is because the UFC has built that narrative. Yep, and it's 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 not a narrative that you should be selling. Nope, not at all. It, it's almost it's almost like a, a pro wrestling show where like you make the 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 champion um, look so strong that anybody, no one, no one should be able to beat him. Right. Well that works in pro wrestling. It it doesn't work in MMA because Connor will lose at some point. Well the thing I mean, my favorite fighter not outside the ring in the ring is John Jones. John Jones is gonna lose at some point.
0: Yep. Like,
1: and here's here's the like, thing. That's that's
0: part of the sport. well, you know, taking taking that into, into consideration, we you know, we have this narrative in place with, you know, Nate Diaz and Connor McGregor. They're telling a pretty good story on, on a very short amount of time, very small window. And 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 you know I got to give credit not only to to McGregor but I got to give credit to Diaz because Diaz jumped in and it, it's like the guy didn't even lose a beat, you know, he came in, turned the shit talking on, you know, turned on that switch and got to work. You know, I was watching the open workouts today and I said to myself, the Diaz brothers, whether you love them or hate them, when it's time to go to work, it's time to go to work. That's that's one thing that I can't take away from those guys and they, and yeah, you know, they have their, their, their little idiosyncrasies and their craziness, but when it comes down to brass tacks to go in there, you know, that what we're going to get Saturday night is either going to be the most, the most crazy, the, the craziest fight from bell to bell or a fight that's going to end so decisively for either guy that there will be no doubt left. You know what I mean? Like it's either going to be yeah. shit talking from bell to bell, you know, posturing, yo, Hit me. No, I'll hit you. No, you you know, the usual, you know, Diaz style of fighting, or it's gonna be Conor McGregor laser beam punches, and if the fight goes to the ground and Nate Diaz taps him, well, it is what it is. Like, it's it's yeah. such a it's such a big question mark this weekend that I'm more intrigued about seeing the fight for that reason than for rooting for either guy. Because I'm not gonna root against Nate Diaz. Love the Diaz brothers, I think they're awesome. I'm not gonna root against McGregor either because He's done something for the sport that very few have been able to do recently outside of Ronda, and that is create public interest, relevancy. You know, put money in people's pockets. Can't you? Can't you? Can't you? Can't you, yeah. can't, you know dispute that stuff? And that's I care more about that this weekend than the outcome either way because if Nate Diaz beats him, it's you know Nate Diaz came in, he was more prepared. Uh, you know, he had the right the right offense to neutralize mcgregor's you know mcgregor's output and that's it if mcgregor wins then it's you know we knew it was going to happen you know what i mean like nobody really comes off losing on this fight nate diaz comes out with a fat wallet mcgregor comes out if he if he wins with a fat wallet and the fact that he beat one of the toughest motherfuckers to walk this planet you know
1: yeah i mean there's no real downside to this fight i just hope they don't when they do the resale because they weren't really promoting the RDA Conor McGregor fight. Hell no! Way. But Hell I no. hope that when they do the resale, because that's that a fight that should happen, like there should be no thought from them or Conor to try to fight Robbie Rowe. like That shouldn't <laughs> be a thing they want to do. No, um, the RDA fight should still happen. I agree. So I hope that they use this same build and even without RDA being the most talkative, you can sell him to be this killer. I mean, he beat the hell out of Anthony Pettis. He knocked out Donald Cerrone. Like you can, you can make him into uh, a killer. Like yeah, credible. And hopefully they go go that route.
0: Yeah, I I think that they're gonna have to go that route because like you and I talked about this a couple of weeks back before the injury happened. On paper, this is one of the easiest and realest super fights. That we can pull off. Yeah. Like well, on paper.
1: It is, yeah. I mean, now, I mean, if John, well, if one of them, I mean, decides they can both compete, probably the heavyweight champion. But yeah. They could. But uh, again, it, we're, we're
0: talking about a guy who, you know, Kane dropped out, he dropped out, and he didn't want to fight Stipe, and the fight got canceled. So at this point, let's be yeah. honest. Dana White isn't looking exactly at the. He's not exactly looking at the heavyweight division as the savior of any card. Oh no, because that it's a complete disaster over there. But um, you know, I did I did want to go into into some fight picks for um this weekend's card. Uh, more so the main card. Well, I, I gotta ask, you mm-hmm. know, Cr the Killer is finally fighting on the, on the prelims on Fox Sports One. He's taking on Brandon mm-hmm. Thatch. So I did, I did want to put that out there. I, I mean, Cr hasn't been in the cage in a. It feels like like a long time. And I I wanted like two
1: years.
0: Yeah, I, I I was I was worried about about picking him only because of obviously ring rust. So I'm actually gonna go with Brandon Thatch on this one against my better judgment. But um, what do you think?
1: I'd probably pick Brandon Thatch too. Brandon Thatch is a talented dude. He just ran up against some some beast in uh, uh, Gunnar Nelson. It's kind who else he lost to. But, um, yeah, I, I think he beat C.R. Um, C.R. hasn't been in the cage for a long time. and um, I mean, ling is a real thing.
0: <laughs> you, know, you know what was crazy? I did want to say that Jim Miller and Diego Sanchez don't understand how that's the main event on the Fight Pass prelims, and that's not on Fox Sports 1. First of all, Diego Sanchez is a maniac. <laughs> and, um, and, and you know that him and Jim Miller are capable of delivering Easy fight of the night without even trying.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think some of it has to do with they're both kind of shot worn at this point. Uh, well, not kind of. Like, Dale Sanchez is a shot worn to shit. <laughs> but, yeah shit. Um, so, I think some of that, because you don't kind of know what you're going to see, particularly in this fight. Like, it could be crazy or it could be two fighters that probably need to be thinking about careers after fighting.
0: I would have probably swapped that Elkins Chaskelly fight with the. Miller Sanchez used uh, Miller Sanchez as the opener for the prelims
1: uh yeah yeah I mean because who's really out here looking forward to a uh Chad Skelly Darren Elkin there you go like well, who, who are the people that are huge <laughs> guys?
0: well that that's what it is I mean the the co-main on the prelims is Eric Silva and Nordin Taleb and um you know Silva's a solid fighter like I could see that being you know co-main on the prelims like I I have no problem with that but I kind of felt that Miller and Sanchez have saved quite a few cards in their day that they were they were deserving of being in a higher position, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I would have put them high on the card, but I, I, if if they if they decided not to for the reason I just said, then it makes sense.
0: Well, on on the main card, um, Amanda Nunes is is the opener. She's taking on uh, Valentina Shevchenko. I actually had to look up some YouTube highlights of Valentina's fights. Uh scrappy, scrappy girl. Uh, but so man, the Nunez. I think um, this will be a fight that goes the distance. I I, I want to give it to Nunez only based on the on the principle that she's more, you know, she's been in the game longer, uh, more well versed, more well rounded. But um, Shevchenko
1: definitely scrappy is all hell. Yeah, I've never seen Shevchenko fight. I um, uh, have seen the man Nunez fight. Um, I mean, she she's she's been on a little tear lately. Um, I I'd, I'd go with Nunez.
0: Uh, Corey Anderson and Tom Lawler. Tom Lawler's always fun to watch, just strictly on the ring just alone.
1: Um I I I'm going with Corey Anderson on this. Um like I like the way Corey Anderson looks in and fights.
0: You know, I was I was I was gonna go with Anderson. I, I think Lawler has that habit of, you know, the, 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 the tire the tried and true Joe Rogan depending on which Tom Lawler shows up, you know. So um I'm going to yeah. I'm going to go with Lawler on this one only because of that just taking a gamble here. Um not to yeah. not to take away from Anderson looking good in his last few fights cuz he has but you know Lawler's always a a, a fun fighter to watch. So I'm going to I'm going to take the the gamble on that one. True. The um okay. Alir Latifi and GM Vellante, I I like Vellante. dude is a beast. Uh Latifi is no joke either. Um that one's a tough one to call. Uh, I'm probably going to go with Gian Vellante only because he's he he is a, a very, very underrated fighter and can always go in there and deliver a hell of a scrap when he feels like it.
1: Um, I'd actually probably go with little Tifi just because, like, Gian Vellante, like, he's talented and everything, but, like, he is incredibly defensi- defensi- defensively lacking. Uh, he gets hit a lot. You do not want to get hit in a lot by a Tifi. Um, so I, I'd go with a little with All right. Colmaine, Holly Holm, Misha Tate. Uh, I, 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 I'd go, uh, Holly Holm. Um, really? I, I think Misha Tate has, a you know, a, of course a chance to win and everything, but I, I just, if Holly Holm fights like she did against Ronda, um, I just see her winning. I mean, I, I don't know if she knocks Misha Tate out or any of that, but I, I just see, <clears throat> I just see Holly Holm being able to keep distance and, and win the fight.
0: I, I ended up i I ended up writing uh home and also as the winner only because I feel that Misha Tate is gonna try and shoot for the double leg. I saw her working a lot of the double leg during the open workouts today and I'm like listen you you can try and shoot him for the double leg and that's great but Holly Holm has good footwork so she's yeah. gonna make you work for that double leg and you run the risk of catching a knee on the way in so if it, I honestly see Holly Holm finishing. In, in devastating fashion, only because Misha Tate's going to come out there, try to try to really push the pace very quickly, and she's going to get picked apart. And when she finally decides to shoot him for the takedown, she's going to get caught.
1: Yeah, I, I can definitely see that happening. Just, I just I found it interesting. Um, like, I understand why people think Misha Tate can win this fight, but I found it really weird that people thought that Holly Holm could only defend judo takedowns. Like it's just like the way people were talking about it was like oh well Miesha Tate does a double leg that's not that different like nope. I mean it's different but it's not it's not as different as people are saying it.
0: What's gonna happen is like, that she the... can
1: defend one she can probably defend the other.
0: Well, I think that with regards to that, it's gonna become a question of you know countering uh, judo throws versus um, changing your offense to sprawl and brawl, which could happen. I mean, you know, she could shoot in, you know, come off the sprawl pop up and cat tag her like that can happen only because yeah. in, in watching the open workouts today, I saw, you know, Holly Holm has a really, 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 really good base in terms of just, you know, she knows exactly how to position uh position her, you know, good hip positioning to not only evade the takedown, but also sprawl when needed. I mean, you know, she's training with Jackson Winklejohn, those guys, you know, you got, you got killers over there all the time. So you're you're gonna you're gonna work yeah. on the sprawl. You're gonna work on avoiding wrestling. I, I mean, you know, I saw I saw her 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 little fun sparring sessions with John Jones. But in terms of just wrestling, you know that they're gonna get her prepared to to counter any double leg that comes in.
1: Yeah, like I'm sure they have her wrestling like grown men. Yep. Like I don't think she'll have. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Nisha gets her down at some point. I just don't. I just don't think that she'll be able to I don't know hold her there for any any real amount of time
0: I I, you know that that's why I I ended up taking home based on that alone I said you know she's gonna be ready for that for that double she's gonna be ready and Misha Tate has good hands but Misha Tate isn't exactly known for knockouts
1: yeah plus I mean good hand and Holly Holm world champion boxer hands are two different
0: (laughs) You, you know, boxing, boxing versus cupcake fists. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a whole different class.
0: <laughs> Val says Misha's gonna get knocked out in the first. I'm like uh, that, that, he's not even giving her a chance. Damn. But um,
1: I don't know about that, but I can see her getting knocked out though.
0: Now, of course, the big one: Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor. I am, I, I'm, I'm. As much as I'd, I'd love to go against Conor on this one, just because you know, Nate Diaz is Nate Diaz. I'm going to give it to McGregor strictly on the fact that the Stockton slap hasn't put anyone to sleep yet. Now, if the fight goes to the ground, obviously we're gonna we're gonna have a different story to tell. But I think from a strictly from a technical standpoint, in terms of precision and keeping it standing, I got to go with Conor on this one. But I don't think it's going to be a Mystic Mac, um, you know, knockout. I, I think it's going to probably be decision. Like he's gonna go the distance. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't I don't think I don't think it's gonna be a, a a Mystic Mac
1: prediction. Yeah, like I I, I, I don't see him knocking me out in the first round um like yeah. he he said. But I, I do see kind of winning he should win. Um now I can see a path to him losing. Yep. Um Absolutely like Nate, Nate could take him down. Like he doesn't he doesn't have to like I, I saw some people like, well, you know, Nate Nate doesn't normally go for takedowns. I mean, you don't he could jump guard and probably Conor McGregor. Like I've seen Conor McGregor roll and unless he was for no particular reason just not doing a good job, um, Nate is way better at it than he is. I, I um, wanna see he's way better at this game. No,
0: I was you know, going with what you said, I wanna also see what the what the additional weight does for both guys. Because, you know, we we were talking about the Stockton slap not having any pop to it. But you know, at 170, it might might it might have a little pop to it. You know, I mean, you know,
1: I mean, Nick was knocking people out with it.
0: <laughs> yep, he was he was he was putting a little pop behind it. But on the flip side, McGregor, who already was dangerous at 45 and 55, it, you know, for is 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 now packing a little a little extra a little extra punch behind that. You know,
1: yeah, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll see what they both look like when it comes down to that. But I, I do think Conor wins. I think he either finishes really late, because this is five rounds, so yep. like the fourth, fifth round. But um, I, I just I don't see him getting, you know, uh, Nate getting knocked out early or anything like that. But I, I, I could see a path to Nate winning. Like even on the feet, like if Nate somehow gets in his groove, just embarrasses McGregor on the feet, it wouldn't uh, – it would it would surprise me, but it wouldn't like absolutely shock me. Like I've seen I've seen him and Nick be able to do that to people, so um, I, I I still think it's gonna
0: Now, just a uh, just a uh, play devil's advocate. Say Nate Diaz comes off with
1: the victory. What now? <laughs> you tell Connor you need to defend your one forty five title. There you go. <laughs> like, you have to defend your one forty five title. Like all this, all these super fights, all this extra jump in weight classes it stops. Okay. If right. you want to fly to any of these other weight classes, you need to drop that title, then. Okay,
0: all right. I I personally feel that if Diaz if Diaz wins and beats McGregor, then well, Diaz was fighting at one fifty five anyway.
1: Uh huh. I but think that he if, can't really fight RDA because like they fought and RDA beat the shit out of him. True, <laughs> but
0: but you also got to look at have it like that this.
1: Fight happens now.
0: You got to look at it like this too, though. If McGregor was quote unquote the contender. For RDA based on that yeah, again, true. just just throwing this out there. If 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 Diaz wins, Diaz should go in that slot.
1: Yeah, true. Um, it, it'd be it'd be one. It'd be quite funny, right? Um, and it'd be interesting to see what 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 their thoughts would like because I don't particularly think the UFC probably has a plan for that. Yep, that's a, that's like, exactly why <laughs> they have any sort of plan for if Connor doesn't win.
0: Right. That's, that's, so, that's a hundred percent.
1: I would love to see, I would love to just, what happened?
0: Well, it, I tell you this, if, if, if McGregor loses Lorenzo fratito will probably be celebrating and they'll probably catch him on camera celebrating and um, <laughs> he'll, he'll, you know, they'll catch that little side, that little sideways stare at his, him celebrating. But um, i tell you this though, if McGregor wins, he's, let me, let me rephrase that. If he wins, and if the buy rate is what I what I what I think it's gonna be, the guy's just gonna continue to write his own ticket at that point. <laughs> that's that's pretty yeah. much it. Um, man.
1: Yeah. If if he wins and they they do they do a million buys and he wins, he's gonna be able to tell them he wants to fight Robbie Lawler. Yep.
0: At UFC I mean, 200.
1: It, just, yep. And there's nothing. That's I mean, it. they could say no. It'd be the smart thing to say no, but they right. probably wouldn't.
0: No, they wouldn't because think about it. Uh, UFC 200, history in the making. You know, the the build up to him and and Lawler would be bananas. You're gonna stack that entire card, and at the end of the day, it's like the the pro the possibility that he can win a belt at 170 and still be champion at 145. The allure of that alone would make me want to watch. You know?
1: Oh yeah, I'd watch it. I'm not to confused. I'll, I'll watch the hell out of it. But That's it. I just. I don't know. It, it. It. I. I would love to see what would happen. If, if, and losing. Yeah, it, it's very interesting to see whichever one happens.
0: I think if he loses, like I said, you know the Fertitas will be like, thank God. Now go defend your belt at 145, like you said. But if he wins, oh boy, Oh, that phone call, that phone call <laughs> Monday morning, he's gonna be like, well, I'm, I'm gonna to 200. We're gonna fight Robbie Lawler. And they're gonna be like, yo, man, are you for real? He's gonna be like, yeah. <laughs> He's gonna be like, yeah, click, and that's gonna be it. Make it, make it happen. Click, and that's gonna be the end of it. Just a deadline and Dana staring at the so, phone. Because if you notice,
1: they ain't gonna be able to tell him nothing,
0: dude. If you notice, he don't even ride with them like the old days. Remember in the old days? They'd be at the suites together, at the, the clubs together, at the at the casinos together. Now it's McGregor driving around in a Rolls Royce by himself, chilling. Showing up at people's I houses. I
1: feel like a little bit of that is he might have gotten bigger than even they thought. Right.
0: No, and I agree. I
1: feel like the UFC is really not a fan nope. of that, per se. Nope. UFC has always been about, like, kind of...
0: Partnerships.
1: Not faceless, but, yeah, don't go get bigger than the promotion. And yep. And from everything I've heard is, like, uh, McGregor plans on, at some point, leaving. Like he he has no intention of this being a long term thing. He wants to do his own promotion, yep. even if even if that's co promoting with the UFC. He wants McGregor promotion, and they know this. And I I feel like they're not a big
0: fan. Nope. I I can agree with that. I mean the dude's writing his own ticket at this point, and Saturday night's gonna it's gonna be historic any way you slice it. Because like I said, he wins. He's writing his ticket to UFC 200, whether the organization likes it or not. Especially if he comes away with no. With no serious damage. And if Diaz plays the role of spoiler. You know. Then the UFC is going to have to rein him in. And that's going to be just as fun to watch. And be like yo you got to go. And give Jose Aldo that rematch. And stop playing. Who knows. If that yeah. were the case. That may still happen to UFC 200. And that may still be a crushed by rate. So he'll laugh to the bank either yeah. way. Yeah.
1: Well, one, one Something's something got to happen.
0: Now. The last two things to wrap things up. Um. You know, we were talking about Chris Weidman briefly. I know that he changed um, striking camps recently. And um, I was really tripped out when I read that. But then I remember that, you know, him training at Law MMA, I kind of felt that they they gave him... They didn't corner him right for that rock-hold fight. And I also feel that psychologically they weren't on the same page with him as that fight progressed. I think the change of scenery is good for him. I think that this is... uh. What did he uh change to? Uh, what the hell is that guy's name? I'll tell you right. I had it. I right, tell you right now. He added um Frankie Edgar striking coach to his team. Oh,
1: uh, uh Phil Crewner's? Uh,
0: it was
1: Oh no, Mark Henry. Well, I might, I don't know. I know Mark Henry is one of Yep, the it is Henry. Coach. It is Henry. Oh. I mean, I mean, I mean there's nothing on wrong DS. with that. Um, I don't think up that's why he lost Rocco but um I, I would I'll be interested to see if it matters. Their next fight, because um, like I said, I don't, I don't
0: think that's why he lost. No, but, no, no, definitely um, didn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know, um, making a change in camp—I mean, it's not a negative thing. You want to better yourself,
0: so you do. But I also feel that you know, given his his relationship with with Longo and the fact that you know, Law MMA is you know Longo and Weidman. <laughs> you know, it's like that—that uh, that may not—that may not be going over as well as we'd all like to believe. We'll see what happens. I personally think that
1: oh, it's not Sarah Longo anymore.
0: No, it's not. It's um, it's around the corner from my office. Oh. It's Law MMA. It's Longo and Widman.
1: Oh, I didn't
0: even know that. Uh huh. I mean, Sarah's involved. I don't know if that was just because obviously he wanted to hitch his his horse to the Widman wagon. But yeah, that change was a little a little sudden for me as well. But that's kind of the deal with that. <laughs> huh?
1: Exactly. Well, um, I mean, hopefully it's it's not you know so, something that's a wedge between them uh but uh i mean yeah you got
0: to do what what's best for you no i agree i agree 100% but um you know I, it was, it's one of those things that has to be acknowledged and i i you know i think him and rockhold you know they go around they go about, you know they dance a second time if rockhold wins just as decisively i think it's just that rockhold is the better fighter you know simple as that yeah now on the bellator side of things and i got i figure we close with this Yeah. <laughs> Vanderlei Silva ended his retirement and signed a multi-fight deal with Bellator. Uh, he was currently serving a three-year suspension for fleeing the random drug test ahead of UFC 175. Silva is allowed to return to active competition in the U.S. in the spring of 2017. Um, <laughs>
1: I have no problem with it, um, to be honest with you. Um, how, I, don't, I don't know how much longer he has on that three-year uh, suspension. Uh, it must be coming to a close. I mean, if if he hasn't fallen in a while, um I'd watch Vandalet fight again. I'd watch him fight Fedor. You know, I'd watch, him I fight would, some I would watch that Korean dude.
0: Him and Fedor would be you him know, and Fedor uh, would be the only way that Bellator really tips the scales 'cause that's that's a that's a that's a dope fight right there. I mean, even him and Rampage one more time would still be cool.
1: Yeah. Like I I'd watch him fight some of these
0: And him and Tito. There's always that.
1: Yeah, him and Tito. Like I'd watch him fight some of these older guys. Um, I think he'd be interesting as
0: long as they don't put him in there with with with, with Mister Slice. We're good.
1: Yeah. No, don't don't do that. Don't Please, do. Don't do that.
0: Don't. <laughs> I mean, stranger things have happened, but you're also looking at at a guy who who had you know who is a maestro of violence. So any you know you tell him he's gonna fight any of those dudes. He'll be he'll be there ready. I mean, the Rampage fight he'd do because I think Rampage has said a couple times he's like yo. I, I'd run that back with Vanderlay one more time just because, you know, history.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I I'd hell, I'd i definitely watch that. Um, but like I said, I'd I'd watch all those fights. Um, I have no problem with him getting a new contract. Um, it's been a couple of years so since he last fight. So most likely, hopefully he's like, you know, got more healthy and you know, hopefully it's not as um knockout prone, but we'll see whenever he fights again. Do you
0: do you do you think we may see him and Chael fight ever in Bellator now.
1: I don't think Chael's ever going to fight again. Like I, I, I feel like Chael's already. You know, he made his transition. He, he's an announcer with GFW. Um, I don't know what else he really. I think he does some uh, an MMA podcast. Yeah, he um, does. I think Chael has parlayed his uh, his MMA career into exactly what he wanted to be. Like I, I really don't feel like Chael's doing any other <laughs> any more fighting. Okay,
0: I only say that because again. We're talking about money and, and and unfinished business and freak show fights, and uh, that one's pretty unresolved. You never know. Scott Coker may be like, yo, man, let's make this happen. Let's get paid. Yeah, I mean. Ch- Chael yeah, shows up maybe, on impact. One day. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: nobody would see it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to see, um, may, maybe, maybe Chell will show back up, but I, I just feel like Chell is probably never going to fight. All
0: right. Fair enough. All right. That, um, that's the last bit of MMA news for the week. Is there anything you wanted to add?
1: Uh, nope, nope. Can't think of anything to add. A
0: fresh serving of Black is a New Black this week?
1: Yes. We should be having one this this. We were trying to, uh, on that schedule, uh, earlier today. Uh, so we will... Most likely. If not, I'll, I'll
0: let you know. Most likely. Yeah, new that new that new uh, intro and outro from Nick Hart. Nice work. Very nice touch.
1: Yeah, yeah. He he kind of gave that to us by surprise. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it, it was
0: pretty good. <laughs> yeah, definitely nice work, man. Um, again, we'll keep it locked. Of course, I'll let you guys know uh, if Ben does a new show. You can follow him on Twitter at Blackout89. Uh, you're not Blackout89 on Instagram
1: anymore. No, no. Exactly. Yeah, on Instagram now, I am everywhere your baby mama be. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's what I said on Instagram. There you go. So,
0: so there you go. Everywhere your baby mama me be. Woof. I will uh, put the links for that in the show notes. And um, I'll keep you guys updated if there's a new black, as a new black. This. I appreciate the assist, brother. No
1: problem, man. All right, man. Peace. All right. All
0: right. That was our very own Ben. Uh, we are going to jump right into the wrestling for this week uh lots to discuss uh the build-up to wrestlemania of course raw and the week's wrestling news booker t take us to it
1: we want the go sucker Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you nigga
0: All right, so obviously we were coming into this week's Raw with uh, the announcement of Shane McMahon's return last week, the tease of the Dead Man showing up this week, and of course the road to WrestleMania in progress. Uh, Raw as a whole was, was, it was weird because there were parts of Raw that felt incredibly disjointed, and there were parts of Raw that really seemed to turn it up a notch in terms of just moving certain stories forward. I I gotta say that the return of the Undertaker, and I'm gonna jump around a little bit on Raw. Uh, the return of the Undertaker for me personally was uneventful. We knew that he was gonna come in, and it was either gonna be a you know a, the dead man of old or someone more in line with Vince, and that was pretty much the case. He came in, you know, quote unquote, to quote JBL, the lone gunslinger, and you know his entrance was longer than his appearance in the ring and it was it was an uneventful segment i mean you know i grew up watching the undertaker i thought the undertaker um you know it was first ballot hall of famer but at this point you know we're not we're going to see the undertaker show up every other week until wrestlemania it's a formula that we all know and honestly it just it doesn't bother me whether he shows up or he doesn't because even the match with Shane itself, there's still the possibility that Shane may not be the one wrestling. While I understand that that's the buildup, that can change like this. And again, you know, The Undertaker, first ballet Hall of Famer, but the gimmick, the shtick, it's, it's not that it's ran its course. It's just a very, a very passive storyline that's really just trying to push wrestlemania into into a different into a different stratosphere in terms of of entertainment. That's all it is, you know. You want to see Shane in there, maybe Shane will get thrown off the top of the cell because Shane is into that shit. That's what I mean. Like you're not there's nothing there's nothing that's grabbing you from a wrestling standpoint. You're only watching it because you know that Shane McMahon is willing to take the risks and the Undertaker's willing to go out there and whoop his ass to make it look good. But at the end of the day, if The Undertaker loses, and Shane gets control of Raw, then it's the quote-unquote happy ending. If The Undertaker wins, but for some reason helps Shane the following day or whatever, the fans still win either way. But what I'm saying is that The Undertaker's reached a point where after the streak was broken, there's very few opponents that as fans are going to make you super excited to see The Undertaker. I'll be honest. I mean, if The Undertaker was wrestling Sting, it would be a lot more compelling than if he were wrestling Shane. I'm being honest because that's a match that we as as fans have talked about for years, whether it's casually or, you know, fantasy matchups, whatever the case may be. We've all discussed, hey, it would be cool if the dead man faced the icon. Like, that's a story. That's something that you can tell people about. That they'll be like, oh shit, this is amazing. Unfortunately, it's easier to go with the safer option like Shane versus putting him in there with Sting. I mean, there's always the chance that the match wouldn't be that great. But at least it's a match that people are going to be like, oh my god, this is amazing. You know, a match that we've talked about for years and years and years is finally happening. Again, I understand why they went with Shane and the direction they're going, but I feel that Sting would have just been the right opponent for the Undertaker. And in a in a in a situation where every match with the Undertaker is on borrowed time, you gotta get those really special matches out of the way. Obviously they wanted to go with him and John Cena, couldn't do it because Cena's hurt. But instead of going with somebody credible. It's easier to just put in a a non wrestler because obviously it builds a different level of interest. Not my cup of tea personally, but that's the direction they're going. <laughs> now, uh, Val says Shane needs to take the company from Vince for real. Um, Val says Vince is an asshat. His midlife crisis has run far too long. <laughs> Slick says Sh- Shane should be CEO and let Vince be CEO as a figurehead. <laughs> Slick adds, Sting is a broken G.I. Joe action figure. He is not getting in the ring. You know what the problem was? You you did the Sting-Triple H match, which personally I felt was a waste of time. Instead of leveraging that and doing Sting and The Undertaker, which just was... You know, like I said, in terms of historical historic significance, you would see that you had the phenom, the icon, you know, one-on-one for the first time, you know, the crow, the sting, the stinger, facing the dead man. You know, there's there's so much stuff. There's so many different parallels between both characters that putting them in the ring is something that, again, even, even for a casual fan, would make them want to tune in. That's all I'm saying. And it... Slick says it was a waste of staying, Undertaker's a safer performer than Triple H. I agree. And, and same thing, wasting Seth Rollins and staying was pointless as well. But, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, Monday Night Raw had its fair share of good matches. I You know, I did like the number one contenders match for the Divas title. Uh, the double countout ending was pretty much a no-brainer. I knew it was going to end in some sort of shenanigans where it would lead to them Having another match and then obviously it leading to the triple threat. That's you know you could see that coming a mile away. I have no problem with it. I mean the match itself was good. They told a good story. Um, I do think that the triple threat at Mania is going to need to. It's going to need to be booked in an NXT style for the fans and the crowd to really get into it. Otherwise, you're 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 going to risk damaging three very very credible performers for the sake of pigeonholing them. In the WWE style, that's all I'm saying. I will say that I was pleasantly surprised by the match and the ring work between the Miz and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, really, really have been impressed with the Miz as of late. Uh, still not a fan of the gimmick, but I feel that as a performer, as a wrestler, he's he's definitely reaching a new level. Uh, he's he's definitely moving better in the ring, telling telling a better story, uh, utilizing you know, more of his mannerisms, more of his persona to tell a story as a compliment to his wrestling. I think him and Ziggler work incredibly well together. I think that because they're friends also, you can see that in their matches, you know, the, the desire to make each other look good because they know that they got to prove everybody else wrong. And, um, I was, like I said, pleasantly surprised. I think the Miz has really stepped it up over the last couple of weeks. Um, It looked really good. I mean, it was definitely one of the high points of the night. I also got to say that Stephanie McMahon's promo work this past Monday was stellar as well. Uh, Very emotional, very impactful. And it was definitely, uh, you know, a textbook heel promo. But the best part of it was that there was real emotion there. You're talking about two, two generations of McMahons on the verge of war. Think about it. You got Stephanie McMahon and Triple H and their daughters, you know, Shane McMahon, his wife and his sons. You know, the fact that there's already a power struggle brewing on paper is crazy. I mean, we know that that's going to be the case, but you got to realize that you're acknowledging it in terms of just the bigger, the bigger picture. And I think Stephanie McMahon did an amazing job in terms of bringing that, that story home, you know, the leg legacy and family and, And the fact that there's so much at stake for both sides of the family with this particular story. I mean, you know, obviously the WWE is going to belong to them either way. But from a storytelling perspective, I think that Stephanie McMahon uh, made a strong case for herself as the villain. And on top of the fact, she also did a really good job of putting over Triple H as well. Not that he needed it, but that it looked really good. Um, I, I gotta say that as much as I like the league, the league of nations, they're really directionless. Obviously they're teasing something with them in the new day, which I think is really, really good. But I also think it's a little late. I know that they're going to try and turn the new day. I know it's happening, but the league of nations is in such disarray. And I say this because they don't really have any clear direction. I mean, they're triple H's thugs one week. They're kind of feuding with the New Day, but they're kind of still feuding with the Lucha Dragons. There's no, there's no real, there's no real direction for them as a group. Individually, there's some compelling stories. Obviously, uh, the departure of Wade Barrett, uh, Rusev's body slam challenge with the winner getting the Maserati, which uh, people are teasing as as something that's gonna probably usher in the return uh, of a superstar we all know. I think that um. I think that if if you're gonna go with that with Rusev with the body slam challenge, a, a lot of people were joking about that it was gonna be Kurt Angle that was gonna answer the challenge kind of like the way Lex Luger did with Yokozuna. I mean, it's amusing and it's a good way to get Kurt Angle back in the mix like that. But I also think that that's kind of grasping at straws. If, if I were booking the League of Nations right now, I would pretty much put them in a program with the New Day, turn the New Day face, and maybe, you know, throw the tag team titles in the mix. Maybe throw in, you know, a U.S. title or a IC title in the mix. Do something. That way there's there's more at stake than just, you know, funny jokes and, and you know, weird videos behind the scenes. I mean, I know that the New Day are inevitably going to become a fit a face faction, it's definitely moving in that direction, but at least if you're going to leverage the League of Nations to be, you know, to be the heels in this situation, at least give them some incentive, put them on a tear, make them look more dominant versus what you've been doing lately, which is just sh- sacrificing the Lucha Dragons every week for the sake of making the league look good for nothing. You know, that's all I'm saying. Ryback right and Adam Rose's match was I understand what they're trying to do with Ryback, you know, quasi-loner Goldberg push. I mean, it was good, it told a decent story, but the problem is, it's too late. It's too late to make Ryback this monster, because much like Mark Henry and some of the other monsters, they've been damaged so much at this point, that for you to write the ship, it's going to require an incredible amount of work, and sacrificing you know, Adam Rose or any of these lower-tier guys. It's good on paper, but when it comes to the long game, the only thing that's going to make Ryback credible is putting him in feuds with compelling characters. That's it. Val says Ryback needs to learn how to wrestle first. I don't think that Ryback doesn't know how to wrestle. I just think that Ryback is so big, and, and on top of that, he doesn't move very fluid. If you watch Ryback wrestle, it's very robotic, very... You know, very wind up toy. He, you know, he moves like 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 a wind up figure, which is weird because you know he's he he's a big guy. Yes, but I, I I would think that he would be a little bit more fluid. That's not to say that you know guy you know mass monsters like Scott Steiner or Batista were were the pinnacle of fluid movement. But I mean, even even Big Papa Pump back in the day, he didn't move so he didn't move in such a robotic fashion. I mean, it was part of his persona, but the way that he moved still was conducive to his gimmick. Ryback's gimmick is, I don't know, one week he's Goldberg, one week he's, you know, default wrestler, default creator wrestler with all the accessories. I I mean, Ryback needs clear direction, maybe a manager, and some really, really good programs. And I mean programs with guys that can help him be better in the ring. You know, a program with Luke Harper, uh, a program with Adrian Neville. You know, guys that can help bring out something special instead of just the typical, you know, squash matches or 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 bullshit feuds that lead nowhere. That's it. The um, <clears throat> excuse me, the the New Day and Y Two AJ's match was exactly what you would expect. It was really good in terms of of setting up a tag team title opportunity. I don't think that they're going to go full steam ahead with Y2AJ. I have a feeling that it's going to end with one of them turning on the other for some really, really big match. But I think that what they're doing now is fun. The crowd is really into it. And it's it's at least giving the New Day something to do. My only problem with this is that you you take the two guys that hated each other, you put them in a tag team, and, you know, what happens with them should they win the titles? I mean, the New Day have graduated to a point where the titles aren't essential to their gimmick. But if you put the belts on, on Styles and AJ, what then? I mean, you know, there, there's always the possibility, like I like I said, that one turns on the other and we get some sort of a big payoff at WrestleMania. But you got to ask yourself. Is WWE willing to go that route? Is it willing to give uh, AJ Styles, you know, his WrestleMania moment with him and the company only a couple of months? I mean, AJ, I think his 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 resume has, has, has all but guaranteed him an opportunity. But I do think that if you're going to put him in that type of a, of a situation, you need to make it meaningful. You need to make it more than just, oh, this guy betrayed this guy and they're going to settle it at WrestleMania. Uh, I, th- I think this will be a great opportunity to start transitioning AJ into some sort of singles gold. And um, that might be a good opportunity to do it. For me personally, I like the tag team. I think it's good. But I think it's something that you can only utilize as a short-term fix and not a long-term fix. Simple as that. Now, I did want to address uh, Bree Bella and Naomi And the build-up for her and and Lana. Clearly, they're trying to do something with Lana at this point. Um, Is Lana going to wrestle finally? I don't know, but I think that if you're not going to have Lana wrestle, then wasting her time with Brie Bella is just pointless. If if you want to do something good with Brie Bella for the time being, maybe send her down to NXT. Let her work with the girls down there for a little bit. Maybe maybe use it as a storyline. Hey, I'm gonna go down to NXT, go back to basics. Maybe you make it that Daniel Bryan is down there helping train some of the NXT superstars, and Bree goes down there to work with him. Uh, put her in a program with somebody in the women's division, maybe Emma or Dana Brooke, and let her work in NXT not as a demotion, but just as a way to kind of add a little bit more energy to her character. I mean, Eva Marie's down there. She's not great. But I also think that Eva Marie is benefiting more from being in NXT than from being on Raw every week. That's for damn sure. Now, Val says uh, if they want to do something with Brie, they can send her ass home <laughs> with a message to her sister that she's fired. You know what it is? I think, I think, like I said, with Brie Bella, you don't demote her to NXT, but you leverage that where Daniel Bryan like I said goes down there to work with the with the superstars of NXT and Bree of course being his wife goes down there with him and the NXT divas you know they pick on her they try and and you know they 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 say that she's you know that she's a cast off or a has been or whatever and have her earn her way back up through NXT maybe working a program with like I said Dana Brooke or Emma maybe Oscar for a little bit uh, Nia Jax whatever the case may be it it would do nothing but help Brie Bella be a better performer. I honestly think that that's the that's the direction you want to go in, and it's it's something that would work effectively in at least making Brie Bella credible in in another in another environment. Because on Raw she's floundering much like Naomi. Naomi's not doing anything on Raw either, you know. Val says Brian has something to offer NXT. Brie not so much. You know what it is? They um the, the thing the thing is that wh- like I said, you're you're using Daniel Bryan as kind of like the vehicle to put Brie down there to at least let her work with some fresh talent. I, like I said on Raw, she is floundering. There's there's nothing really viable for her there. She's she's almost in the same boat that Natalia is in. Natalia is, except Natalia is a better wrestler, obviously. (laughs) Thou adds that Brie wants to go home. Maybe, but until then, you might as well get the most you can out of her as a performer before, you know, she she heads home or she retires, which obviously is going to happen, but you might as well do something meaningful with her for the time being. Uh, The last match of the night, Ambrose and Del Rio was a good match. We knew that it was going to end with uh, Triple H, and it did, obviously, Triple H coming out and accepting Ambrose's uh, challenge for a title, which is going to happen at their Roadblock event on the WWE Network. Uh, Obviously, Ambrose isn't going to win the belt, but they did a really good job in showing that Dean Ambrose belongs in the main event. There was a really good story, and I really liked the fact that Ambrose was like, thanks, Hunter, after the ass-whooping that he took. I think um, there was really just a a really good story there, and I think it did an amazing job in putting Ambrose over. The thing that gets me is that you're putting Ambrose over in the way that Reigns should have been put over but is not working for Reigns which is crazy. You're pretty much doing the same thing with Ambrose you did with Reigns that doesn't stick. And with Ambrose, you only just got to push and everybody's on board like that. And the thing is, for me personally, I think that Ambrose should be the main event guy and Roman should be the guy that's still continuing to be groomed. Obviously, all, all the eggs are in the Roman Reigns basket right now, but Ambrose continues to reinforce the fact that he belongs in the main event. And with the the promo work and the match work that he had on, on this past Monday, um, I think he's going to force his way through that glass ceiling and he's not going to wait for anybody to let him up. And I think for Ambrose, it's it's a great opportunity. Val says that Ambrose is, so, Ambrose is so wishy-washy. You know what it is? I can understand why you say that and that's only because of the way that he's booked. But I think that the way he's been booked with brock lesnar and with triple h i think they've been doing a really good job with it and i think that you know embracing a little bit of that loose cannon never say die underdog crazy attitude is the way to go you can't you can't make him 100% face you can't make him 100% heel he just needs to be a crazy guy that that functions and you know to the beat of his own drum that's all that, that's the only way that you can do something successful with Dean Ambrose. Now, I did want to acknowledge one other thing, and it's also because Stone Cold Steve Austin mentioned it on his podcast, and that is that the Wyatt family just continues to be misused week in and week out. Week in and week out. Stellar promo work from Bray Wyatt, solid ring work from Luke Harper, and even Eric Rowan and Braun Strowman to a point. And they just continue to tread water every week with no clear direction. It is a travesty, and it bothers me to no end that, um, you know, the, the Wyatts have done so much, but they've accomplished so little in terms of winning any gold. And it's, you know, it's just misuse. I think Creative has done nothing but poor work with them. And by the time they decide to write the ship, People aren't gonna give a shit. That's that's pretty much it, which is crazy, you know. But we'll see what happens. But as of right now, I don't see I don't see them writing the course with the Wyatt family at this point. Now, as I mentioned earlier in the show, you know there was talk about how long Shane McMahon was going to be in the WWE during a uh, conference call. They were saying that Shane McMahon's roughly making one hundred and twenty thousand dollars between appearances you know, for Raw and other events and WrestleMania. I have a feeling that Shane McMahon's just taken that in terms of it being something that's publicly mentioned. And I have a feeling, obviously, he's going to be a lot more involved going forward. Uh, obviously, with the teasing of the brand extension or the brand split, I think Shane's involvement is something that we're going to need to watch very, very carefully and how it changes the direction of both Raw and SmackDown. I have a feeling that the Monday after WrestleMania Raw will be run by Shane McMahon, SmackDown will be run by The Authority, and NXT will be run by Triple H. That's that's pretty much it. And I think that it's being done this way because it's going it, to you know, they're going to need to establish some some guidelines and some boundaries, but at the end of the day, whether you separate the brands or you don't, it all comes down to using the talent effectively telling a good story and making sure that the fans are entertained for every hour of television that they're invested in simple as that but um I did I did want to talk a little bit about TNA uh, TNA is in the news this week for a couple of things first up they're looking for investors to come on board uh, because the company is not profitable they want to start. Uh, you know, being more profitable and bringing in more talent. We'll see what happens, but they are looking for partners for that. But also, TNA, obviously, taking advantage of the AJ Styles bandwagon, is releasing a four-disc Essential AJ Styles DVD, which, if you're a wrestling fan or even an, an AJ Styles fan, is worth picking up, only because on disc one alone, they have Jerry Lynn, Loki, and AJ Styles against the Flying Elvises. Uh, they have the first X Division Championship match. Uh, they have AJ Styles and D'Lo Brown versus CM Punk and Jason Cross. They have the Ultimate X match with AJ, Petey, and Chris Saban, which was amazing. Uh, the Steel Cage match with him in Abyss. Uh, you know, a lot of great matches from 2005, which... One of one of my favorites was him, Samoa Joe, and Christopher Daniels from Unbreakable. Also, uh, AJ Styles and Tomko versus Ron Killings and Consequences Creed. A match that if you've never seen, you should definitely check out. Also, the match with him and Tiger Mask, another match you can't you can't ignore. Plus, they have all his matches with Kurt Angle. Uh, the really awesome match with him and Doug Williams. Uh, another match from Turning Point with. AJ, Samoa Joe, and Christopher Daniels for the world title. And on the fourth disc, they got a couple of stuff from 2010, some really good stuff from 2013, including AJ Styles and Austin Aries from No Surrender, and AJ Styles and Bully Ray for the world title from Bound for Glory. Uh, definitely worth picking up. Like I said, it's a four-disc set that TNA's putting out called the Essential AJ Styles Set. It's going to have 30 matches, and it's definitely one. That you cannot miss. The other one I did want to recommend also. Is NXT is putting out on Blu-ray and DVD. A greatest matches volume one set. Which is going to be hitting stores March 15th. Uh, really really solid matches here. Here's, here's one that you guys wouldn't believe. The no disqualification match. For the NXT championship. Between Seth Rollins and Big E Langston. You definitely need to check that one out. Also. The best two out of three falls match between Sami Zayn and Antonio Cesaro. Holy shit, man! You got to see it. Also, they're putting the William Regal Cesaro, uh, the William Regal Cesaro match on there, which was from 2013. Another match that you definitely need to see. They also threw in a couple of matches, obviously from the current crop of NXT programming. Uh, Bo Dallas, Adrian Neville. Uh, Neville and Sami Zayn from Revolution. Uh, the, four ho- the four-way match with the four horsewomen of NXT. Uh, Z- Zayn and Owens, of course. Neville and Cesaro. Uh, Owens and Balor from Beast from the East. The NXT Women's Championship match from NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, which was tremendous. And if you pick up the Blu-ray, and this is the one that has some really, really crazy matches. CM Punk and Seth Rollins versus Antonio Cesaro and Cassius Ono. Let me, let me put this in, in terms that indie wrestling fans will appreciate. CM Punk and Tyler Black versus Claudio Castagnoli and Chris Hero, a.k.a. the Kings of Wrestling. NXT from October seventeenth, two 2012 that right there is worth the pickup on blu-ray also the two out of three falls match between neville and Corey graves definitely got to check that one out and of course you know apollo cruz tyler breeze they put on there sasha banks and charlotte from 2015 Paige and becky lynch which was a dark match from nxt takeover uh in 2014 and um Uh, Bray Wyatt thanking the NXT universe. Of course, Bray Wyatt was an NXT mainstay. There's actually a match with him and Chris Jericho that is also on that box set. Again, March 15th is the date. Worth picking up just for the extras alone on Blu-ray. But um, that's actually going to wrap up the wrestling news for this week. Um, I definitely wanted to get that essential AJ Styles out there and also the news for the best of NXT. Again, if you're going to pick that up, please, please, please pick it up on Blu-ray. Really good matches on the Blu-ray edition. And um, like I said, that's going to be the last bit of news to wrap up the wrestling segment and the show for this week. Anyway, I've given you guys my take on MMA and wrestling and my voice in the process. Uh, I would love to hear yours. Hit us up on social media. Look for RageWorks on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whichever medium you choose. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. Archived episodes of this show for audio will be available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio within 24 to 48 hours of broadcast. Uh, YouTube will get the video version of this show within 24 to 48 hours, both on My Take Radio TV and official RageWorks, so look for those on youtube as well all right guys on behalf of myself and the rest of the mtr and rageworks crew i want to thank you guys for joining us for tonight's mma and wrestling edition of mtr i will catch you guys next week well let me rephrase that i will catch you guys next week for the mma and wrestling edition but you can join us uh later today for the gaming and entertainment edition of mtr all right guys thanks for joining us peace
1: that's all, folks.